Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Kevin O'Connor, and you have once again tuned in to the Immutable Truth, and I have a special guest tonight, and this is my wife of almost 16 years, Carmen O'Connor. How are you doing? Doing good. I'm here with you. <laughs> uh, we we uh, had, uh, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. And uh, we had a, a surprise pastor appreciation dinner for me today, and I got a Bible that I'd been wanting. Somebody was really kind and got me a Spurgeon study Bible that Alistair Begg keeps promoting, and uh, I really wanted one. Uh, I haven't really got to look at it a whole bunch, but I'm really excited that I got it. Uh, really excited that a lot of people came to church today that we hadn't seen uh, a lot of new people at church today. Um, if you don't know, uh, Agape Fellowship Church is in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, Coffville, Kansas. We are a population about 9,000 people, and our church is on a very good Sunday, like today, 60 people-ish. Uh, but it was a wonderful Sunday, and it was uh, fun. We had dinner, and uh, I had to eat all my, you know, low-carb diabetic stuff, but it was still good, and well. we had a good time of fellowship. Uh, but we wanted to do a podcast and just kind of talk about one subject in particular, uh, a compromising church, the, the modern uh, Christian church in every facet and it doesn't matter uh, what denomination you talk about you can you know Catholics uh, every Protestant denomination practically is compromising the gospel compromising uh, the church's integrity compromising to sin and we want to talk about the, the different facets of why people are compromising. Uh, well, obviously, we know because people are flawed and sinful and what have you. But what can we do to overcome it? What are some things that maybe people are going to listen to this podcast and say, I don't know what you're talking about. What things are people compromising on? Maybe you don't know. Maybe it's kind of a uh, new thing for you and you don't understand that it's going on. But uh, we want to kind of get into that a little bit. I'm not real sure where to start because she's got notes and I got notes. And uh, I wanted to, you know, just start with the understanding that we're supposed to be um, light in the world and salt in the world light spreading the light of the gospel and the proclamation of who jesus is what jesus did but also salt in preserving the truth of the gospel the truths of scripture the truths of christian faith right right um i mean there's just a lot of compromising going on in that aspect and I think it really boils down to first compromising God's word I mean what do you think does it start 
where do you think it starts with people? Is it do they do they not know? Do they know and don't care? I don't know. I mean, we're we're living in a world where it just seems to be a free for all. Well, I think we have this understanding that God will forgive us no matter what. So if it's something we compromise, we say it's something little, it's okay, we'll just sweep it under the rug, the Lord will forgive us, it doesn't matter. Right, right. Well, and I, you know, I think that attitude is kind of dangerous in the fact that, you know, I know God forgives sin, amen? Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that God will forgive any sin. The problem, I think, comes when we move from the area of I know God will forgive sin to, well, this isn't sinful and we don't have to worry about this, even though scripturally we have something to say, you know, no, we're not supposed to do that, right? Well, as Christians or humans, I mean, we do our most to try to rationalize anything to the point that we ourselves believe it's not sinful until it just becomes natural habit and we don't think it's something that we should be held accountable or responsible for. Right, right. Well, what got me thinking about a lot of this is, you know, our church, and if if you continue to listen to our podcast, you're going to learn more and more about us, but uh, I personally have been finding a lot of help and truth and, and uh, uh, challenge in the early church fathers, the Reformation period, beyond that to the apostles' first century church, understanding how much different a lot of the American teaching that we have going on right now is from historic biblical Christianity. And we see people like Paul and Peter and James and John they warn people. They tell them, don't have fellowship with the world. Don't love the world. You're not, what fellowship does light have with darkness, you know? And today it's almost like we want the opposite. We want as much fellowship with darkness as we can because if we do, then maybe we'll win them. But I think we're running the risk of turning what is good and calling it evil and calling what is evil good, you know what I mean? And it's happening in all kinds of areas in Christian life, wouldn't you agree? Right, and I think it comes down to, we see Paul in them as someone of the past and stuff, and now I'm like, no one shares anything of the old times, everything we've got new is all YouTube-based, all these rappers coming to Christianity and promoting this or that, and their theology and beliefs are true because they're the current new hip-hop age. Right, right. And I think we, we've, and I'm going to say this again, and I know we talked about it in the first podcast and what we're about, you know, but the reality is it boils down to like this postmodern view of truth, that truth is subjective. You can, you know, oh, you believe in Jesus. That's good for you. I'm glad you believe in Jesus, but that's not true for me. And, you know, I heard somebody talking uh, yesterday. I was watching a video or a, a, maybe in another podcast I was listening to, but it was like uh, you could have a green T-shirt on and, and say, i got a green T-shirt on, but postmodernism says, no, I think it's blue. And you're like, no, it's clearly green. I mean, 
And they're like, well, no, that might be true for you, but for me, I'm going to say it's blue. You know, and this goes back to many different things, you know, when we started uh, figuring that we could identify as whatever we want rather than what we are, uh, right. which is one way we're compromising. Uh, um, and I'm, that's not just uh, sexual, but racial. I mean, you have... Uh, white people that say, well, I'm going to identify as a black person or a black person that says, well, I'm going to identify as a, a white person. And what does it matter? First of all, in Jesus Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, right? right. So what what's this deal with the identity that you want to identify with something other than what you are anyway? I mean, coming to Christ, isn't that where you have to really, truly understand who you are and your need for God before you can really come to Christ? I mean, the, the, the reality that I can somehow walk around with these illusions and call them reality and then expect that rational people believe me is kind of ridiculous. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I think also that this, this view of truth being subjective, we get... Uh, we started doing it with the Bible, like, you know, well, Paul, you know, I know he says these things, people, if they do these things, they won't inherit eternal life, but, you know, I, that might have been true for Paul and them, but it's not necessarily true for me, and that's kind of the approach that modern-day Christians have taken to biblical theology, biblical uh, uh, teaching, biblical study, biblical application to our life, well, you don't necessarily have to, you know. And we kind of, like I said this morning, we turned grace. You know, we know Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. That not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We know that. But then you have verses like Jesus in in Luke uh chapter 14 where he says if anyone wants to follow me and doesn't hate his father brother or father mother sister brother yea even his own life if he doesn't renounce all that he has and come and follow me he cannot be my disciple so on the one hand we have grace is absolutely free but the born again experience absolutely produces change and I think we're just throwing the change part out and saying, well, you don't have to necessarily have change. It's just grace and no actual born-again experience, no actual fruit has to come forth. It, it's all grace. But grace, what, what do you think about that idea? I mean, is it all? I mean, it is all grace, right? By grace, we're saved. I believe that. But don't, shouldn't that grace change us? I guess that's what I'm saying. True. I'm mean, like, that's a whole point of, say, business-minded. You want to grow in expectations, skills, and knowledge enhancements. You don't want to start out as being someone that's just sweeping the floors, but say, hey, I want to run the company and be the CEO without actually applying yourself, learning the knowledge, and growing to the aspects that you can actually run and be the CEO of the company. Right. I mean, you literally have to change and produce something. Right. Well, and, you know, it goes back to – and and – don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about salvation by works, okay? I'm not. Salvation is 100% free. 
But Jesus looked at Nicodemus, who was a follower of the law, and he said, you, you, Nicodemus, who probably keep the law as good as most people could, you must be born again, meaning there's something that has to change. You know, the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You know, and does that happen all at once? No. But my ideas about sin or obedience have to change as well. When I, when I get saved, I don't just get to go, well, I'm saved. I don't have to do anything good. I don't have to, I don't have to live my life for Christ. As Jesus said, if you're not willing to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Count the cost. You know, Luke, the, Luke he's telling them to count the cost. Which of you who, you know, if he's going to build a tower, doesn't sit down and count the cost. Jesus is telling us that although I'm giving you this free gift, it isn't going to come absolutely, it's not going to leave you the same. You have to be born again. You have to have a new heart, a new spirit, a new attitude, a, you know, and we always border the line of not wanting to put this works thing in there. And the way I tell everybody is works don't save you, but works are fruit that show salvation has begun in you. You know what I mean? And I think we run the risk when we act like there's no expectations that people don't have to do anything. And then we have all these things that start creeping into the church as normal. You know right. what I mean? It's like having a false expectation. I give you a car free, paid in full. But I mean, you're still expected to pay for the insurance, the gas, the maintenance of the vehicle. Otherwise, it's just a empty vessel. Right, can't go right. anywhere, can't do anything with it, can't produce anything or go from point it's A to point B. It's just a trophy in your, or in your garage or in your driveway. Right. It's just Plucking sitting dust. there. Right, right. And James says faith without works is dead. So the only kind of saving faith in Christ is the kind of faith that's going to produce fruit. Right. It's like when you have a kid... And like, you have to change your diapers. They have to go through the stages. You teach them to talk. You teach them to learn. You teach them to take care of themselves. They're like, they're just not going to learn these things on their own. Right. So what? So you're, you're clarifying for everybody listening that I'm not saying when you get saved, all of a sudden you're this perfect Christian that's going to live and do everything right. Right? If you know me, that's definitely not true. Right, right. And I'm not saying that. But at the same time, the church is beginning to teach that absolutes don't exist. They're teaching that uh, sin is okay. Um, well, I think in today's church and the way we actually do society, we do the altar call. We have them come down, repeat this prayer that's not even biblical and stuff. We're like, oh, congratulations, you're saved, have a great day, and they don't further pursue or have a relationship with them or it's encourage them to strengthen and continue to read the word or build on that relationship and to continue to continue to grow so i think at that point they get turned off and like oh okay i'm saved great what's new right right well and at that point that's where i you know this is where i'm kind of going with my thought on this is how many of those people are really born again because we know jesus says in matthew 7 that many are going to come to him in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not 
prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many wonderful works in your name? And he's going to look at him and say, depart from me. I never knew you, you who work iniquity or lawlessness. And Jesus never once teaches that grace, although it's free, he never teaches that this life in Christ, this following him, was going to be without any cost or, or, or giving up anything on my part. You know what I mean? Matter of fact, he taught the opposite. He basically said, if you're not willing to renounce all that you have, you're not even, you can't. He said, it's impossible. The, the word can't there is one of those, uh, it's like a stipulation, you know. If, if you're not willing to do this, then the real fruit of salvation has not taken place, and you're, you can't even be my disciple at this point. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so my question, and I, I wrote a few questions down just because I wanted to act like I was professional at this. You know, it's my second podcast. I'm a professional. You know, why do people compromise? That's, that's like my number one. Why are people compromising? And, and not just, you know, we can't focus on anybody out there in the world. We're talking about Christian people. You know what I mean? Right. We're talking about those who claim to know Christ, those who claim to follow Christ, those who claim to read and believe the Bible as the infallible, inerrant word of God. Why do they ignore scripture ignore what it says and run after other things now i know it's the easy answer is look the bible said it's going to happen right right but i want to make this where we can show people hey don't compromise the gospel this is what jesus told us don't compromise the word of god this is the gospel. Don't go away from it. You know, uh, Galatians 1 and 8, where, where Paul tells the Galatians, he said, he, he said, if I or an angel come and preach any other gospel to you other than the one that was delivered to you, let him be accursed, bound to hell forever, anathema. We need to take the gospel and what the gospel is, I think, way more seriously. You know what I mean? Well, we get to the point where we want to argue about politics, religion, and everything else, but we don't want to actually fight for the truth and biblical. We see the past as Paul and them, all the great works they did and stuff, the miracles that they seen and completed when they were walking with Jesus, and we don't think it's attainable for our own self, so we just ultimately give up because it's not easy. It's not something that's just going to be handed to us like keys to a car. When you turn 16, your parents gift you a car. Right, So right. we just easily give up, and and day society just sit back on the couch. And it's easier to say, I don't know who I am. I don't know how I identify. I mean, I'm just unclassified. So, let me ask you this. Do you think that goes back to this... Uh, I don't know what generation we're in. You know, we're millennials, and because uh, technically I'm a millennial. I mean, I was born in '79, but they still classify me as a millennial. I think. I don't know what this generation is labeled or whatever. We can they label it anything, now. but tomorrow we'll change it to something else just because someone's offended by it. But this generation and the feeling of being entitled. Do you think that kind of plays a part in? They feel like that heaven is owed to them. I mean, 
in some sense like because you and me we've been Christians for quite a while we've been this is the third church that we've pastored together and there's just everybody you run into even people who don't go to church people who don't know Christ they think when they die they're going to heaven and they feel like it's owed to them you know what I mean it, does that line up you think with what scripture says I mean because that's that's one of the big things that I'm struggling with right now because you got people that teach that you're so valuable and God saw so much value in you that's you know God couldn't let that die you know couldn't let you go to hell and that's not what scripture teaches you know what I mean I'm like if that was a point why would hell even exist I mean, if we're all going to heaven. Right. If we're all so good or there's just so much value in us. And the gospel isn't that we were so great. The gospel is that Christ is so great. You know, we owed a debt that we couldn't pay and he paid the debt that we couldn't pay. You know, he he, he paid a debt he didn't owe for a people who couldn't pay, you know, uh, we're Romans 1, 2, 3 say that we are, you know, Gentile and Jew alike. We're all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None is righteous. No, not one. There's no one that seeks after God. There's no one that does good. You know what I mean? And we get this idea in modern Christianity that that you're just really good and all you really need is just a little bit of Jesus to make it a little better and you'll be okay. I mean, do you think you hear that in some famous people's preaching? I'm just... Yeah. But I'm like, in today's society, too, and like the name of love and the desire to promote unity, we become more conformed to the world's views and perspectives of not only ourself, but religion, politics, and everything around us. Right, right. And I think that's what, what's happening is we're trying to please unbelievers and make church feel good for them more of a social club nowadays and like we have a church on every corner but half of them's barely full but if you walk around to bars i'm sure they're full of people well and when we when we uh, i don't know how to say this the the idea that church and how we do church and what we do in church should be dictated by those outside of church is not taught in scripture you know what i mean we don't have to look like the world sound like the world because i feel like if we're doing that we're just going to we're just going to attract the world and then you have preachers who stay away from hard subjects so that they don't upset people. Um, they'll stay away from issues of divorce when they're preaching. They'll stay away from, you know, Matthew 6, where Jesus talks about divorce. Remember when mm-hmm. I preached that at this church for the first time and people were like flabbergasted? Did he say that once you're divorced, if you marry a woman who's divorced, you cause her to commit adultery? I said, that's exactly what he said. 
And then we go, well, not in every case. And, and then you have preachers that start backpedaling off of that. You know what I mean? And, and, and then we're slowly compromising what Jesus said to make people feel more comfortable with church, the Bible, coming to faith. When in all actuality, what, what drew me to Christ was when the gospel was preached, it was preached in authentic biblical terms. And the authenticity caused me to look at myself and go, you're a dirty wretch and you need God. You only have one hope and it's Christ. And if you don't get it, you're going to hell. All of, we make church today more of a concert. You have to do the big lights and you got to have all the children's programs and the singing of this hymn or that hymn. Or, I mean, I wasn't in the Bible days and stuff by no means, and I don't know as much as you do. But didn't they just meet in the place of worship? They all sat and gathered down, and even the rabbis sat yes. at the same level and read from the scrolls. Yes, yes. That, they, they did not stand up. and You know, we get these pictures of Jesus standing on a mountainside preaching the no, when he taught, he would sit. That's how, that's how Jewish rabbis taught, you know. And, and when they came into fellowship, somebody would have a, a scripture, a, a, a hymn, a prayer, a, you know, a, a song. They would eat, and they did this every day, you know what I mean? And we can barely get people to come to church three times a week for service, and they met every day. But we'll show up for all our kids as baseball games or football games and go to all their outings make sure they go skating once a week right right well i think it goes back to our priorities that christ isn't first place in a lot of so-called christians lives you because know because I mean? we have that mentality that he loves us and his grace is there and he's there no matter what he'll just be there waiting for us when we need him so he's not our top priority he's our back call like if there's an issue and stuff, instead of going to him directly in prayer. Did you just say he's we, our back call? Our back call. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of going directly to him in prayer when there's issues and stuff, we call Bob, Sue, and so-and-so and gossip about this or that instead of going directly to him and seeking him for counsel. Right, right. Well, I just think it goes back to the understanding that Jesus doesn't want second place in our life. You know what I mean? That's just another thing that the church is compromising right now. Instead of Jesus being all that my life is about, I just, you know, I'm living my life. And when I come to Christ, I just kind of fit him into it. You know what I mean? I, I you know, I'm not going to change. in on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we can have a meeting once a month. Right, right. I just kind of fit him into my schedule. And I don't want... I don't want him to, you know, overtake my life. You know, I don't want it to be, I don't want to be one of them sold out crazy Christians. You know, I'll go to church once a week and I'll, you know, I'll, you know, I might even put some money in the offering plate. But if, you know, you can't expect me to follow the Bible or live by any set of principles. You can't expect me to stand up for what the Bible says is truth. You know, I'm not going to witness to people. I'm not going to, you know, and that, th this was, it's always the people I find that I don't expect that will talk to people about the Bible because there are so many people at our church, I mean, that 
I would think, man, they were probably witnessing to somebody this week. They were probably witnessing to somebody this week. But to be honest with you, the person that I found out was witnessing to another pastor's wife was my brother when he was up in up at his other job up by uh, Wichita this week. He was up there, and this this pastor's wife was kind of trying to tell him that you know all the church doesn't have to do it, the, you know this and that. And she was talking about some issues that we're talking about, like well, you know that's not necessarily how it is. And Bryant was like, "I'm sorry, you're wrong." He's like, "That is exactly how it is. Gee, we can't." We can't just take the Bible, read some verses. Like I want to give the I want to give the listeners an example of what I'm talking about. Okay, so in Galatians, we have a very uh, straightforward statement that Paul makes in Galatians five, starting at verse nineteen. Okay. And these are very straightforward statements. They're not something that you can get around and say, well, he didn't mean it this way and didn't mean it that way. It's pretty straightforward. And for those of you who are listening, don't crucify me. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. If you didn't know, this is the new authorized version, okay? I'm just kidding for all the King James only people, okay? That's just a joke. Uh, Verse 19 Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, uh, dissensions, divisions, envyings, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warned you and I warned you bef- I warn you and I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here Paul says those that do them will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, you know, in uh we'll read it uh, we can go read it right now if you want. Uh 1 Corinthians chapter 6. There's another list that Paul gives to Corinthian church and it's really very similar and he says pretty close to the same thing to them uh verse 9 says this or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god be not deceived neither the sexually immoral the idolater nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of, all, by the Spirit of our God. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but I, but not all things are hopeful or profitable. And it's important for us to draw this distinction. Paul says, and such were some of you. You know, we've transitioned in the modern church of, of when someone comes to Christ, 
there's not an expectation of they have to change and they can just continue doing the thing they're doing i.e you know uh now i'm going to say this and if justin hears me from uh from uh, the wrong kind, the wrong kind of podcast. If he hears me, just take it for as it is. Okay, drunkenness is a sin. Now, drinking is not right. We. Glad know, you, I'm glad you clarified that. No, you know, drinking. We we. You know, here's the thing. You can have a drink, and it's not sinful. You can have a drink of alcohol, and it's not sinful. But drunkenness is a sin so in one hand you have one thing that's not necessarily sinful in and of itself but the excess to drunkenness makes it a sin you know what i mean so saying if i drink too much then i go and make bad choices that ultimately makes causes me to sin that itself is sin right well and the 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 thing about it is is he's saying right here that drunkards or those who are let me read it again Okay, that way you go, you know, I'm not reading it for my own self-absorption, uh, okay? N neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards. See, it, he didn't say those who have a drink occasionally. He said drunkards, so or drunkenness. Being a drunk is a sin. Now, having a drink is not, you know what I mean? But we have classified both as okay in the church, you know what I mean? You don't necessarily, oh, I know he drinks a whole lot, you know, but, you know, it's not sin. He'll be all right. God forgives all that. Well, it does say that God does forgive that, and it does say that these people used to do those things. But the wording here, he says uh, at the very end, and such were some of you but you know and I think that's what needs to change in our Christian life is look I was a drunkard I was a homosexual I was an adulterer I was this I was that but Jesus came in now I'm not saying that a Christian won't get saved and still won't struggle with wanting to drink I'm not saying someone won't get saved and still won't have struggles with, you know, sinful thoughts, sinful inclinations, uh, homosexual thoughts and inclinations, because the reality is we're still in flesh, right? right. So if we still have this flesh, we still got to fight it and we still got things that we're going to overcome. And the sanctification process is going to start, Right. But what we can't do, and this is where I'm drawing the distinction, I think, is the church nowadays, instead of saying these things are wrong and we believe God wants to help you with them, what they say is these things are okay and you can keep doing them. But if we do that, we can keep people in our seats. We can keep money in the, the supply so we can make sure the bills are paid and can continue this thing we call ministry if we do that. We don't want to easily offend someone because saying the wrong thing, looking at someone improperly is offensive to people these days. And I'm like, that's people think I'm just like, I just don't talk very much. And I'm like, it's not that. It's just like, 
I'm blunt and I'm to the point that it's not always coming out in love. So it's just easy not to say something so you're not easily butthurt. Right, right. Well, she said butthurt. I did say butthurt. Oh, hurt. yeah. Well, the, the reality is, if we if and we know each other, so I know that about her. She's a lot more blunt than me. And uh, she comes off a lot more blunt than I do most of the time. I call it being direct. Yeah, yeah. But also in the same in the same token, she understands that there's a time and a place for all that. Uh, but at the same time, she doesn't sugarcoat anything for anybody either. And I think that's good for me as someone who who struggles when people don't like me. You know what I mean? I, I struggle with that. It's something that God's working me through, you know what I mean? Of, of feeling like I have to have that that affirmation and instead of just standing on God's word and saying, look, this is what it says and you guys have got to understand that we can't change this. You know, and I think, where did we go from believing what the Bible says to I can believe what I want out of the Bible and I can throw the rest away because I'm going to be honest early in my Christian walk I felt that way and I did that a lot I mean did you do that right well I think it's because you have people nowadays that wants to read the Bible from front to back I personally have not done that nor will I because you can read something the same thing multiple times and it's not really I mean it's just reading it but it's not applicable to you in that time and need and stuff so you're like, oh, maybe this isn't good. I'll just use that permanent marker and mark it out and go on to the next one. And that one's more applicable to me this time. So I will use this one and stick by this one only. Right, right. Well, and the, the, the real hard thing is like what we started doing a couple, three or four weeks ago of just preaching through a whole book of the Bible. And then you run into stuff that is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable that you don't necessarily want to personally agree with and say oh that's in the bible i really have to adhere to it because it's in there let, let like me just sweep it under the floor let me tell everybody kind of what we're talking about uh we we started reading through the first book of timothy okay and if you have read first timothy you'll know that the first half of first timothy chapter two is pretty easy and everybody can uh get a get along with those verses pretty much you know but the last half it's very um, it's a very challenging part of this chapter where it talks about letting women learn quietly in all submission I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man rather she is to remain quiet for Adam was formed first then Eve and Adam was not deceived but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And this was difficult to preach, first of all, because, look, as, as pastors, especially in a church that's 75% women, okay, our church is uh, very female-heavy, and I don't mean that in a bad way, ladies, okay? They're not overweight. What I mean is they're, they're, there's a lot of ladies that come to the church, 
and less men. Uh, and this sermon, not only was it challenging for me to preach, but it was very challenging uh, for several women to hear me preach. And I was expounding upon these verses and talking about them and the realities of this in the scripture, you know, and, and a lot of people go, oh, he only said it there. Well, not really. Paul said something else in Rome, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, and I got a whole list of verses on this subject. And uh, when you read them all, how, let me ask you, because I haven't asked you, and you told me not to throw you under the bus, but here, here we go anyway. Okay. I'm used to it. So how challenging was it for you to... Did hear you, that? Did you even go back and listen to it? I did go back and listen to it. But <laughs> I, I try to view it from different perspectives. I'm like, oh, he's just bashing me because I'm a girl and stuff. I can't be as good as him. I'm like, to say that our church is 75% women, that's to show who's faithful, right? But from my perspective, is it's not saying that you, we can't preach, we can't talk, we can't learn, we can't grow, we can't do things in the church. Right, right. Because I'm like... It was women who found Jesus risen from the tomb, even though right. he told everyone he would. Right. And I'm like, when they went back and told everyone, everyone was disbelieved and stuff, like the men didn't believe them. Right. So it's not to say that what we say isn't true and stuff. It's just under God's authority, the man is the head of the household, so he has to affirm everything, Right. I would say. I mean, I still grow. I still learn. Oh, well, like today I preach, and I'm like, I always preach faster. I didn't say better, but nah. I do do it faster. <laughs> but like I said, I get to the point, and I don't do all the throwing people under the bus and telling stories on Carmen. And uh, you look once you once you uh, get a, a hang of throwing people under the bus, it becomes second nature. Okay, you right. just do it real easy. So I should <laughs> practice my stories of you, yeah, yeah, so I can just start throwing story. me in there. Throw me under the bus, all okay. Right. You might, she might work on a few so she could throw me under the bus next time she's on the, the podcast. Uh, but, y yeah, we, you know, that's the reality is we don't want those challenging parts of Scripture. We'd rather just pick what's easy for us to digest and leave the rest and not be confronted with it. But I think in doing so, we're hindering our own growth in Christ. You know what I mean? Where we are not challenged, where we're not, what do I believe on certain things, you know? Remember the service where I asked people, uh, I bet if I asked all the kids in the room what their favorite Bible verse was, like no hand would go up, you know what I mean? And and it, the, the reality is Christians nowadays don't even know why they believe what they believe, you know? They don't even know if what they believe is biblical, you know? You have churches out there promoting, first of all, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, first of all, you have, you know, uh, not just the women elders, okay? I said it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just get it out there. Go read Second Timothy chapter 3, okay? Don't get mad at me. It's in the Bible. <laughs> anyway, we have evolved now in the, not our church, but... Christianity churches. and other churches, so-called Christian churches, have evolved to lesbian and gay ministers, you know. And for me to affirm that homosexuality is somehow normal, somehow okay, somehow 
not sinful is doing exactly the opposite of what Paul or Christ or any one of them taught. You know what I mean? That, that you can't find that in the New Testament. Matter of fact, back in the Old Testament, the, the prophet said, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. You know, that, that's a woe. He's saying, no, you can't do this, you know. And, and, and now you, you got heterosexual people de being demonized because they stand up for true biblical marriage between one man, one woman, you know, for life, uh, and, and, you know, all these other principles that we're talking about, you know. Uh, and I know there's other people out there that struggle. All of us have sin we struggle with, okay? The problem that I have is not that people are struggling with sin. Now, obviously, God wants them to overcome. And uh, the sanctification process, if, if they are truly born again, Christ is going to bring them through that because he's faithful to complete what he started. You know what I mean? But the reality is... There's a big difference between struggling with the sin and knowing it's a sin and not hiding from the fact that it's a sin. And there's a whole nother dynamic when you deny that it's a sin and claim that it's good and say that it's good and teach other people that it's okay to do this. You know what I mean? And that's that's the big compromises that's going on in the church right now is, is, is taking things that are absolutely biblically sound, tearing them apart, saying that's for the past, we don't have to do that no more, and these things that we read that are completely sinful are being taught that they're good and acceptable and we should do them. Well, I think it comes down to people don't want to change your perspective of them either. If they know you're sinning, they're going to judge you for that sin and to the point where we're sinning and it's hard to overcome those days and stuff. I mean, we go to church so we can uplift one another to encourage and continue on. Right. And we're right. supposed to admit our sins and fall to one to another. That way we can help get those um, worked through and stuff. And I'm like, if we admit that to a fellow Christian, we don't want to, to change their perspective of us and judge us. But, I mean, as a Christian, I have that understanding and judgment as we're all human, we're all sinners. And I'm like, just like someone with addiction, they go to all kinds of, all these anonymous things and stuff, and their motto is one day at a time. Right, right, right. Well, and I think Christians need to adopt that. Paul said he dies daily. You know what I mean? It, it was not, Paul didn't wake up every morning, superhuman Paul, ready to, you know, throw demons out of people. Paul woke up with the same flesh that we have, yet Paul knew that God's grace, first of all, is sufficient. And I'm not trying to, I'm, if you're listening to this podcast and there's things that you're doing that, that I named in these lists, I'm not telling you, hey, give it up, you're not a Christian, just hang up your spurs, just give up, you're not going to heaven. What I'm telling you is that your attitude towards that sin has to be different in that you know it's sinful and you have a desire, a longing to overcome this, that God would 
give you the strength, the, the patience, the courage to endure the things you're struggling right now and overcome them and understand that, that this isn't his plan, this isn't his will, and this isn't what he wants for you. That's totally different from the idea of waking up and my sin is, it's okay. And I can do it and God's all right with it. Because the reality is God's never okay with sin, right? I mean, what point does God go, oh, I'm okay with your sin. Just keep doing it. I think we see that because he he eats with sinners. He dines with sinners. Right, right. And I'm like, I try to tell people just because he was friends with sinners, ate with sinners, doesn't make him a sinner or he actually uh, proves of the actual sin. He can love you and not love your sin. Right, right. Well, and I think, I, I do think that churches need to be able to do that. We need to be able to uh, be engaged with sinners. We need to be friends with sinners. We need to share the love of Christ with them. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we have to participate in their sin sin, you know and Jesus although he participated in engaging them he participated in being around them and involved with them Jesus didn't become an adulterer Jesus didn't become a uh, now now he he said surely you'll say he that I'm a drunkard because you know John came neither eating or drinking but here I come eating and drinking surely you'll call me a glutton and a drunkard you know, now now people go, see, Jesus drank wine, so that means I can be a drunkard. Jesus was not saying that he was a drunkard. He was saying that's what they would call him because he's hanging out with those people. Now, I'm, I'm not worried about my reputation of hanging out with people who drink or hanging out with people who do any other kind of sin, you know what I mean, as long as they see my witness that I'm not I'm hanging with them I'm I'm there to 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 pour life into them to talk to them about the scriptures tell them about God tell them the truth but I'm not participating in the things that they're doing you know what I mean and where we run, where we have run aground I think in the American church is the participation the the compromising in just saying that these sinful things are okay and it's okay for us to do them and to teach other people that it's okay that they do them, you know? Does that make sense? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I know you have different views on some things than I do, okay, which is okay, you know. We'll work on it. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's all right to have different views, but the understanding is our different perspectives don't make truth. The Bible makes truth. And I can't take what Scripture says is sinful and say it's okay, no more so than I can take what Scripture says is all right and call it sinful. You know what I mean? There's a balance here, and and at the risk of uh, not becoming Pharisees, or seeming like they're Pharisees. I think a lot of pastors, a lot of Christians, don't even engage their brothers and sisters who are doing things that they shouldn't do. You know, Paul gave us a, a an admonishment. He said, if you see your brother caught in a fault, 
go to him, you know, talk to him. And we think that our Christian life is only singular. It's just your walk with God, and I shouldn't be involved with it. But we don't see that played out through the early church. The early church confronted their brothers and sisters who were doing and participating in outright sinful behavior, not in an attitude of, oh, you're just a dirty, no-good scoundrel, but in the attitude of, why are you doing that? Don't you know that Christ has more for us than that? Don't you know that what you're doing, uh, uh, it, is, it reflects uh, on the gospel, it gives the gospel a bad reputation, you know? And we don't want to tarnish our our testimony. We don't want to tarnish our, 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 we don't want to tarnish the gospel or twist the gospel and make it say things that it doesn't say. And we don't want to reflect badly on that, you know? And Jesus, Jesus said, don't let your, is it Jesus or Paul? Said, don't let your good be evil spoken of you know uh the just the 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 means do not always justify the ends you know what i mean for us to go out there and look like the world sound like the world talk like the world party like the world be conformed conform ourselves to the world i think that does the gospel witness an injustice you know what I mean it does because we won't do that but you know if you say something offensive and stuff or you're being rude and stuff I have no problem pointing out that you're being a jerk face at any point right. but when it comes to something that's actual the word the truth something that is base and foundation everything outside that is just opinion and debatable it doesn't matter right right and that's where that's kind of what I'm talking about is the word of God has become subjective for the church instead of very objective you know, for, for, for centuries, there were certain things about Scripture that were, like, undebatable. You know what I mean? This is, this is truth no matter what, you know? And you've always had people who want to go off on one little point and stay there, you know? But the reality is there's so much in this that we need to understand that God's word is truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is truth. All scripture, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, reproving, correcting, and training. We love teaching in the church. We love, oh, pastor, that was a good teaching. But if the pastor starts reproving, rebuking, or correcting, you need to mind your business. And this is my salvation. And, you know, it's my not, relationship with God. I'm so not, you're not going to answer you know, for me on the day. Work judgment. out your own salvation, pastor. Work out your own salvation. Well, first of all, I'm called to be the elder of the church, the pastor, the overseer you know and it's my job to first of all preach the word second of all pray third of all to handle the administration of all the different things that go on at church that they're done in order decency and also paul told timothy 
that, look, you can't let people teach these things. You know, his letter to Timothy was all about preserving the gospel, what the gospel stood for, preserving a good Christian life. This is all things that he taught to the Romans, to the Ephesians, to the Corinthians. And, and, and it was all about Christian living, preserving the gospel, making sure our witness is good. You know what I mean? So that when people see us, they see Christ. But right now, people can't tell us from their self. Right. You know, they don't know, they don't know a Christian from anybody else. I think that comes into law, too, because, I mean, when we think of witnesses now, we think of on trials. And right, the only right. time you see a witness is someone that's going to point out the negative that you have done and stuff in the past. Right. Well, I want to... I want to leave you guys with this thought. We're coming up on a on an hour right now, and I'm going to try to keep these brief because I know very few people are going to listen to an hour-long podcast, let alone how long I could go on talking. Right. Okay, because I can talk I a lot. I sleep tonight. <laughs> I want to leave you with this thought. Now, if you're listening to this and and maybe you'd like, I'm just, I'm over it. You guys sound like a bunch of hillbilly country bumpkin church preachers, and I'm tired of listening to you. I just want to encourage you to keep listening because I'm not saying this to be judgmental. What I'm saying is I think that we're, as we as a church, would be far more impactful. We would have much more influence. We would stand a lot better chance if we actually stood our ground on the things of God, stood our ground on Christ's teaching, stood our ground on what the gospel is really about, and when people see that we really believe what we teach and that we really try to live what we teach, they're going to see the real Jesus Christ, the real gospel, and hear the real truth, and it's going to have much more of an impact rather than someone who looks just like them, sounds like them, acts like them, but this Jesus supposedly changed their life. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think we need to be different. Amen? And I want to leave you with this thought. Paul in Romans 12, starting at verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We read earlier from Ephesians, or I mean Galatians, where it gave us all these things that we were to do, or the, all the things that we're not going to do. These people that do those things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But I want to remind you what's right after it. It's the fruit of the Spirit. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit, a fruit of having the born-again life, a fruit of coming to salvation, a fruit of coming to Christ, a fruit of being part of the kingdom of God, born-again, regenerate believers. 
the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, uh, faithfulness, and I'm missing one somewhere. Let me read them again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things are the fruit of the Spirit. If we're living our life for Christ, this is the fruit that we're going to produce. And if we're not, I challenge you to do what Paul said. Paul said, let each man examine himself to see if he's in the faith. Examine the fruit of your life. Jesus in Matthew 7 said, no man, no tree, no good tree can bear bad fruit and no bad tree can bear good fruit because a good tree can only produce good fruit. So examine your own fruit. Look at your own heart, look in your own life and see if there's some things where you've been compromising. See if there's areas where you know mentally, uh, uh, biblically, you have been compromising. Spiritually, you have been compromising. Sexually or immorally, sinfully compromising. If you have, the book of John says that he wrote these things that we would not sin, but if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And if you are already in Christ, all you have to do is repent and keep moving forward. Don't justify your sin. Don't act like your sin is okay. Repent, move forward, and keep going because he who began the good work in you is faithful to complete it. Amen? Amen. Is there anything you want to add to the ending of this? All right, well, beloved, we thank you. Me and Carmen both thank you for joining us for the immutable truth. And we want to invite you to come back next week and see what we got in store for you. Amen. God bless you. If you like it, uh, make sure you hit the like button on whatever platform you're on. Make sure you follow us on SoundCloud. Uh, make sure you follow us on iTunes and uh, iHeartRadio and all the other platforms we're on and uh, and if you feel like supporting us there's probably a button for that too on there okay God bless you we look forward to talking with everybody again